Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. I could stand up here all night describing how amazing she is, but... <laughs> yes. I love you. The one thing that I wanna say is when you encounter mercy, local you encounter a woman of God. She loves Jesus with everything in her being. And I love her so much. Thank you. Hey, stay standing for a moment. You know, I was just thinking over there that it's so amazing to me that every other sphere we go to, we're required to bring a history to deserve getting something. When you get to the hospital, before we treat you, we need your medical history. When you're buying a house, you need all of your history. You're firstborn as tribute. When you go to get a degree, before they confer that degree on you, they have to look at your educational history. But when it comes to serving our God, to praising this God we serve, Psalm 150 verse 6 tells me there's only one thing that is needed in order to praise God. That one thing is breath. Oh, come on, let everything, let everything that has breath, breath, praise God. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Oh, he's the God of the shadows. He's the God of the mountaintop. He's the God in the valley. Aren't you glad? He didn't leave you where you were. Oh, he loved you so well. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Listen, it's such an honor to be here while we're standing. Can we honor Pastor Stovall? Pastor Kerry. I have watched from afar what has been happening in this house. And can I just honor you? It takes courage, not just to hear from God, to actually do what he's telling you to do. So incredible, thank you for your courage. I'm a daughter of this house, and I rise and call you blessed. God bless you, thank you for what you do for the kingdom of God. We're so grateful for you, come on. Let's honor our pastors, so grateful. Your courage, your boldness, thank you for that. You can take your seats, it's such an honor to be here. I bring you greetings from Dallas, Texas. Don't worry, the Lokulujus have not been polluted by the yeast of the Pharisees known as the Dallas Cowboys. My son, Isaiah, is 11. He's five foot three now, 120 pounds. He loves the Jaguars. He's very upset at Jalen Ramsey at the moment, but he'll get over it, it's okay. We'll get over it. I bring you greetings from Marcus and Ava. We love where God has planted us, but I'm telling you what, my heart is never far from here. I'm so excited to bring you a word today that I feel is from the Lord. It's due season for me. If you've got your Bible with you, I'm gonna to turn to 1 Peter verse 1, verse 13, that's where we're gonna be. I love that we're honoring God with the first, the first Wednesday, we're coming in the house. I know it takes a lot to get here, I get it. I was telling the girls that picked me up from the airport, I made a casserole at nine o'clock this morning for my family for dinner, I thought to myself, if I come home and this casserole is not eaten, I'm gonna kick somebody in the throat. So I know what it takes to get here, but can I just tell you, when we honor God, when, we, when he's lifted up, he draws 
all of us to himself. And I pray that is what happens today. So 1 Peter 1 verse 13, this is what it says. So then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert. Fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, listen to this, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. So if you feel a little dry today, there's a greater measure coming. If you feel a little lost, a little confused, I want to tell you there's a greater measure coming. It says, as God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desire that you followed when you didn't know better. When you know better, you do better. That's what the Bible is telling us. That's the mercy condensed version. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. Verse 16 says, Scripture says this, you are to be holy because I'm holy. Bow your heads right where you are. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, I pray right now that, Lord, your word would do the work. That, God, it would be a word that transforms us from the inside out. As always, my prayer, God, not my words, but yours, Father. Not my revelation, but yours, God. Not my wisdom, but yours, God. We don't need a transfer of information from my mouth to their ears. God, what we need is an impartation from heaven, a transforming word, your word that goes forth and cannot return to you void. And now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask, think, or even dare to imagine. To him be all the glory. To him be all the honor. To him be all the adoration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I love this passage. Peter is talking to the believers saying, I need you all to prepare. That's the word tonight. There's one word you want to walk away with tonight. It's prepare. There's something about preparation that's important, right? Has anyone ever studied for a test and gotten to class and realized you studied the wrong chapter? You almost want to pee your pants that moment. It's important to prepare. There's something about preparation that's important for what is to come. I remember a time when Isaiah's almost turning 12, so I was looking at some old pictures, and I saw some pictures when he was a baby, and I remember this picture of him on his first doctor's visit. I don't know if any new parents remember that moment. And Marcus and I had this moment. We lived in Bartram Park at the time, and it was his first doctor's visit, and we were all, it was exciting. We had a to-do list. We were preparing for, to do this first outing, right? And we did, we went through the whole list. We got all the stuff, the diaper bag, the second pacifier, the this, the that, the extra outfit, in case he had a blowout. We had all these things ready, and we packed the car. Does anybody know what a blowout is? It's a code brown, okay? The kind of stuff that goes up the back and just throw out the onesie. I'm like, I'm not washing that. It's $5 at Walmart. It's going to be all right. And we packed up all this stuff, and we packed up. You would have thought we were going for an intercontinental trip, the way we packed this car. We packed it all, and we go, and we get in, and you know you're exhausted. And I sat there, and Marcus started the car, and we left. We're all, all the way down the road on Bartram Park. And I thought, you know, it's kind of quiet. Because Isaiah does not like his car seat. He always cried in his car seat. Like, I had to sit in the back with him because he cried so much. And I thought, you know, I had my eyes closed in the front seat, and I thought, gosh, it's quiet. And I looked back there. There was no baby in the back. 
we had left this child in the living room in his car seat. <laughs> By the time I got back to the living room, he had cried so hard he'd thrown up. <laughs> all, back his, all down his back. In all of our preparation, we forgot the most important thing. There's a warning here for us. Peter is saying, yes, I want you to prepare for something that's coming, but I want you to understand what that thing is. Because preparation always precedes a blessing. Before God blesses, he asks us to prepare. But what I want you to hear today, the blessing that God wants to bless all of us with is not stuff. First Peter 13 says, when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace is coming. So what God wants us to prepare for is not what he's gonna give us, it's himself. He is our prize. He's our very great reward. So he's saying, I need you all to prepare. I need you to get holy. I need you to not do the things you were doing before. I need you to shape your life a little differently. You see, this word prepare your heart and mind, the King James Version renders it as gird up the loins of your mind. The idea is back in those days, the men or people wore long robes. And when they girded up their loins, they got their long robes and tucked them in so they would be unencumbered. So that idea of preparation is change your mindset. Change your lifestyle. Do things differently. Peter says, gird up. Tuck your stuff in. Get those jiggly bits in check. Get it right and keep it tight. Right? Again, mercy condensed version. This is how the Holy Spirit talks to me. Get it right. Pull up those things that are tripping you up. Cinch it up. Get it together. Because there's a greater measure coming. There's a greater measure coming. Preparation is important. Change your mind. Peter, in this passage, is writing to believers that are about to go through some stuff. These believers were going through some major changes, going through persecution, tribulation. Nero was about to come on the scene. He was trying to get them ready for things that were coming. I don't know what your life looks like right now. If I, if I were to guess, I would bet there's some things in your life that are a little upended. Life happens, things happen. Sometimes we get in a bind. Maybe we're going through tough times right now in our lives, in our homes, in our ministries. I'm telling you, Peter is saying, prepare your heart and mind, something's coming. Something's coming. Something supernatural is about to happen. I'm about to pour out a greater, when God uses the word greater, you ought to get a little excited. It's a greater measure coming. And he's saying, I need you to prepare. Preparation always precedes the blessing. Prepare, prepare your heart and mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Change the way the neurons fire in your brain. Go into a different pattern of thinking. Don't do things the way you did when you didn't know better. You know better now. You need to do a little bit better. That's what Peter is telling us. Don't be like us. Don't leave the baby in the house. Don't think the blessing is somewhere out there. The blessing is in here in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to pour out a greater measure. Oh, God, help us prepare for this greater measure that's coming. When God does something special with his people, his church, he asks them to prepare for what he's about to do. Before the Sabbath was the preparation day, right? Joshua 3, 5, what does it say? Consecrate yourselves. Why? Tomorrow, God's going to do something amazing. Get ready. Prepare yourself. 
God's about to do something amazing. Preparation precedes blessing. In 2 Kings 4, 3, what did Elisha tell the woman, the widow? Prepare some what? Empty vessels. Why? The vessels had to be prepared before the oil could be poured in. The blessing's coming, I need you to prepare. There's a measure coming, I need you to be prepared. Prepare the vessel, prepare yourselves. What does Peter say? He's saying as God's obedient children, never again shape your lives with the desires you followed when you didn't know better. When God does a new thing, you can't unknow it. When he reveals something to you, don't go back to what he, what you, when you didn't know better, what you did. He's saying, now that you know better, I need you to shape your life according to that. Psalm 23, 5 says what? You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Why? Because your cup's about to overflow. Even God prepares before he blesses. How much more us? This is the word of the Lord. Prepare. Preparation precedes blessing. Isaiah 40, verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. What? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Why? Every valley is going to be exalted. Every mountain and hill made low. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. The preparation is the Lord. The Lord is the blessing. That's the, that's the gift. That's the greater measure that he wants to pour out on us. Preparation precedes blessing. Hosea 10, 12. It says, sow for yourselves righteousness. That's a fancy way for saying rightness. Rightness. Are things right in your life? Is there order in your life? In the life of our church, is there order? Are things right? Hosea says, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Why? It is time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. Why? Until he comes and reigns rains righteousness on you. Oh my goodness, it's so good. It's so good. Preparation precedes blessing. Joel 2.12, if we turn to the Lord with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, if we rend our hearts, not our clothes, he doesn't want you to look holy, he wants you to be holy. Rend your heart. Rend your heart, not your garments. He will bless us with compassion and loving kindness. Preparation precedes the blessing. John 14, 12, what did Jesus tell us? 14, 2, I go to prepare a place for you. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. This new home we have in heaven, that's the blessing, but we need to prepare. Why? We're not going to wait till we get there. We still have things he needs us to do here. So we need to prepare ourselves for the greater measure of grace to be poured out to help us get ready for his second coming. He is coming back, we do know that. We're closer today than we were before, right? We may not know the day or the hour, but we're gonna know the times and the seasons. Prepare. Everybody say prepare. Prepare. The preparation always precedes the blessing. The truth is there are things in our lives that are not the way they need to be for us to prepare. If they were so, he wouldn't have said it. He says, I need you to be holy because I'm holy. I want you to look like me. He's trying to raise us as kids. Second Timothy 2.21 says it this way. If anyone cleanses himself, preparation, 
If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, those things in the latter are sin, things that he mentioned earlier. He says, if anyone he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. That's the blessing. The blessing is not a thing. The blessing is a person, and his name is Jesus. Church, the sooner we get this, the better for us. Let's quit looking for things to fill spaces in our hearts that only Jesus can. He's coming back for a bride. He's looking for a people who understand his word, who are in love with who he is. And the truth of the matter is, we are not prepared. And so he's telling us, prepare. Get ready. Gird up the loins of your mind. Tuck it in. Cinch it together. Get it right. Keep it tight in your mind. Change the way you think. Do things a little bit differently. How do you prepare yourself? You know, the truth of the matter is that if you start looking at this as what you need to do, you're already going down the wrong road. Preparation doesn't have anything to do with what you need to do. It has everything to what Jesus already did on the cross of Calvary. The finished work of Jesus. That's why Romans 8, 5 says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Why? For those who are in Christ. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. We don't have to walk according to the flesh and its fleshly desires any longer. We can now walk according to the Spirit. Because the law of the Spirit gives us life. The law of the flesh is sin and death. Prepare yourself. God wants to pour out a greater measure of himself, of his grace, of revelation, of kingdom. And it's up to us, church, to get ourselves prepared. It's time for us to get ourselves prepared. Preparation precedes the blessing. Listen, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Those two little words make all the difference in the world. Because we're in Christ, I no longer have to work to be approved. I'm already approved, I just behave like I am. Because I'm already in Christ. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him, I'm now right before God. That ought to blow your mind. So God has seen all of my sins because when he died, all my sins were future. Pastor Stovall gave us this revelation a long time ago. I've never forgotten it. The truth of the matter is when Jesus hung on the cross, he was not a picture of sin. He was not a type of sin. He actually became sin. That's why he couldn't even call God his father. He said, my God. He was no longer a son. He was now sin. So he didn't die for you. He died as you. I should have been on that cross. So now, when God looks at me, he doesn't see mercy. He sees Jesus and the blood. So why would I try to work for salvation? Nothing good I can do can earn it. Nothing bad I can do can lose it. So cleansing myself has more to do with me leaning into the finished work, reconciling the truth of God's word to this brain, thinking a little differently, and preparing myself for a greater measure. That's the gospel. It's good news. It's really, really good news. Sometimes we forget we're not just 
people, we're not just a church, we're beloved son and daughters. We're already in the house. We're already in Christ. We don't have to worry about our position any longer. You know, I had a situation with my kids once where Isaiah was having a sleepover, and he's 11. I was going to have 12 11-year-olds at my house. It smelled like death. <laughs> Does anybody use Old Spice anymore? One of them was like, oh, I use Tom's. I'm like, honey, Tom's ain't cutting it, babe. We got it. There's levels to this thing. We got to go to the next level. I threw some pizza at them. I rented a game truck. I was like mom of the year. But the issue was Ava. I didn't want Ava to be there with these 11-year-old boys in my house. And so I said, Ava, I planned a whole sleepover for you. You're going to get to go to your friend's house and sleep over. I thought she was going to be excited. She, my daughter looked at me and started to bawl. Anybody have a girl and they just do things and you're like, where are all these feelings coming from? There's just so many of them and so unexpected. Like, I don't know what to do with this. She started bawling. She was like, I just feel like you guys don't want me here. And, and you don't love me. I was like, I was like, Ava, I planned a whole awesome birthday. She's like, I thought I want to be here and have fun. And I said, okay, listen, who, what voice is telling you that you're, we don't love you, that we don't want you to be here? I started to speak truth over my daughter. I said, Ava, you're a daughter in this house. You're already in. Nothing can change that positionally. Nothing you do can make you any less a daughter in this house ever. I started to speak truth over and I thought to myself, isn't it interesting that when things come up, the enemy always wants to come and, and attack not our behavior, but our identity. Because he knows. He knows. Our identity controls our behavior. Some of us don't need behavior issues. We need identity revelation of who we are in Christ. You just need to, re just need to realize who you are in Christ. Just know what the Word says about who you are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We can ask for revival all day long, but if we don't know who we are in Christ, nothing will ever happen. Gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare yourself. Gird up the loins of your mind, Peter says. Stay alert. Fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is in Jesus. Preparation precedes blessing. The second thing about this passage that really got to me is the fact that it says in verse 14 of 1 Peter 1, as God's obedient children, don't shape your life to what you used to do. He's supposing that we are obedient children. I love that. I love the fact that he's speaking it out in faith. You ever do that to your kids? You know what? You are a good child. <laughs> like when they're acting a fool. You know what? You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You will pass that class. You will get that job. You will move out of my house in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You ever do that? You just speak positive things over them regardless of what's in front of you. As God's obedient children, obedience precedes the blessing. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? He says, I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying. 
simply will not work. Church, if we use prayer for revival as an excuse for our unwillingness to obey God, we don't need to pray for revival, we need to pray for repentance. Have we, what have we done with what God's told us to do? Can I be honest? It takes courage to obey God. That's the bottom line. It takes courage to step out in faith and obey God. I'm speaking from experience. I don't know if I've shared this story before, but I had a situation where somebody contacted me to speak at a conference in West Virginia. I'm pretty sure I've shared this before, but I was very reticent to do it. I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm in grad school. I've prayed for Jesus to come back on two occasions just so I wouldn't take a final. I'm not above that. I will do it. I was like, Jesus, now's a good time because the way this is looking. I'm a nurse, I work, I travel, I have a family. I was so busy and I kept thinking to myself, God, I don't have time to do this. And the Holy Spirit kept telling me, are you gonna obey? Have you ever argued with the Holy Spirit for any length of time? I had a full on argument with the Holy Spirit for a whole day. And I was like, I don't wanna do that, I don't, I, I got resistance. I could feel myself going back into my old patterns of thinking, of wanting to be comfortable, of wanting to do the things my way. And I knew in my heart I needed to do this. And eventually I just was like, all right, I'll do it. And I took this opportunity and I went up into the mountains of West Virginia in the middle of nowhere. I didn't see another black person for like 50 mile radius. <laughs> I was like, ready. Stay ready, let's go. <laughs> Always ready. It was horrifying. I didn't know these people that I was speaking. I, don't, I didn't know them, they didn't know me. It was awkward. I went up there and did my message. I had my, my thing. As I was closing the message, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I need you to talk to someone. And I was like, I don't know if you noticed or not, but I'm actually wrapping up right now. I'm concluding. You told me to come, I came. You never catch an attitude with God, you listen. Fam, you told me to come, I came. You told me to preach, I preached. What more do you need from me? Can I just go? I'm having this, this conversation. It was not a spiritual act, it was a choice. I just opened my eyes and chose to obey. I don't know what happened, something happened in my heart. It's almost as if I acted before my brain caught up. I opened my eyes and I said, oh, who do you want to talk to? Y'all, it was awkward turtle. I'm standing there, they're looking at me. I see a lady over in this corner, I was like, hey lady, in the red dress. It was so awkward. I felt the Holy Spirit just started giving me words. I gave her a word of knowledge. This has never happened to me like this before. Specific word of knowledge. I even said things like, God understands what you're going through. You're going through a fire. I remember saying, um, God understands what you're going through. He lost his own son. God is with you. What's, what you're going through will not consume you. I gave her this word. I jumped off that stage so fast. When I was done, I was like, I'm not gonna make eye contact with these people because I'm probably never gonna get invited back. It's fine. It was a wash. I jumped off that stage so quick, I ran to my chair and I was just sitting there like, I'm not gonna make eye contact with anybody. The pastor and his wife ran up to me and said, do you have any idea who you were talking to? I was like, obvi, no. <laughs> I don't even know you people like that. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And they started to cry. I, don't, I didn't know what was happening because I could hear murmuring and I just thought it was part of the awkwardness of the moment. People were moving, it was just awful. And I felt so uncomfortable. 
And they said with tears in their eyes, they said, you were talking to a woman. Her name was Tiffany Cook, who had just buried her five-year-old a week before. Obedience. God moved heaven and earth for one. God moved heaven and earth for one person. Can I just tell you, can I encourage you, church, Honestly, I don't know a better example of what bold obedience looks like than what Pastor Stovall has been doing. The truth of the matter is, when you obey God, it's uncomfortable. It's messy. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like convenient. It's not what you think it's going to be. But we serve a God that is beyond human recognition. He's beyond our minds. He is infinite. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Even when it doesn't make sense in the natural, obey. Even when you don't like it, obey. Even when you don't want to do things that he wants you to do, can I encourage you, church? Obey. Come on, this is our God. This is our God, and he is asking us, I need you to prepare your hearts and minds. I need you to shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. Scripture says you are to be holy like I'm holy. You're to be holy like I'm holy. Young people, are you willing to be holy? Holiness is not saying no to sin. I want you to know that. That's not what holiness is. Holiness is not what you're not doing. Holiness is saying yes to God. When I got married to my delicious husband, Marcus, (laughs) this month, 13 years ago, we got married at Arlington Assembly of God. We had our reception at Queens Harbor because we fancy and bougie. No, we were not, we were broke. You know, I, you know what? I remember writing that check to Queens Harbor being like, if y'all cash this tomorrow. <laughs> you ever write a check like with faith? <laughs> like God, that money's going to be there, isn't it? It's going to be there, isn't it? I was a little trembly giving her that check as a matter of fact. When we got married, when I said yes to Marcus, I don't now have to go around saying no to every man I meet. Why? My yes to Marcus has determined all of the other no's. That's holiness. So I'm holy in my marriage because of my yes, not because of any no's. Young people, understand this. God is calling you to be different. Romans 12 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but what? Be transformed in your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare. I want to give you a greater measure. You're a generation of hope. You're not a generation of death. You're not a generation of laziness. You're a generation of hope. And he's saying, don't conform. I want you to be holy. Just like I'm holy. Some of us are spending way too much time analyzing how we feel about things, how we're we're doing things. That is carnal. It is fleshy. Don't focus on what you need to do. Focus on what Jesus Christ already did. That's the focus. That's where your mind should be. Gird up the loins of your mind. Listen, walking in the spirit draws you. Walking in the flesh drives you. Walking by the spirit marks you. Walking in the flesh focuses on marketing and branding you. There's a difference. Walking in the spirit is about building the kingdom of God. Walking the flesh is about building our empire. It's all about me. What am I doing? God's saying, no, no, there's a whole kingdom out here. We're one body. 
global, the church of Jesus Christ. Walking in the spirit honors, walking in the flesh competes. Peter says, don't do the stuff you were doing back when you didn't know better. A child who understands their identity doesn't have to compete with anybody else. That child does not have a scarcity mentality. Just because somebody else gets something doesn't mean there's less for me. That's not the kingdom of God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. Same God who did it for them can do it for you. Walking in the spirit is about finding my place in the body. Walking in the flesh is about securing my position and my title. Holiness. Walking in the spirit, we're concerned about the lost. Walking in the flesh, concerned about how many people are following us. Walking in the spirit, we're preparing for what God will do and what Jesus has done. Walking in the flesh, we're concerned about what we need to do. How am I walking? How do I feel about it? It really does not matter as long as you're focused on Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's what Romans 8, 5 is saying. Let's not live according to the flesh. Let's not set our minds on the flesh. Let's live according to the spirit. Set our minds on things above. It says to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I decree and declare over Celebration Church, life and peace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Life and peace. Preparation always precedes a blessing. You know, I want you to turn with, with me to Genesis 40. The story of Joseph. I love this story because it illustrates so beautifully what we're talking about. God was preparing Joseph for some very incredible things. And in Genesis 40, verse 1 to 4, it says, Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. We're talking about preparation. God is preparing Joseph for a greater measure, and then he puts Joseph in this situation where he's serving the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And in verse 4, it says, while they're in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. Verse 6. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they were both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Listen to what Joseph says. Interpreting dreams is God's business. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. I love this story. Talking about preparation. Talking about getting ready for what God is about to do. Joseph is showing us some really important keys here on how we do this. What the focus of our heart should be. What the posture of our heart should be as we prepare ourselves for what God is going to do. The Bible says that Joseph is in prison. It says sometime later. That's cute. That was a lot of years. Something like 13 years. For a long time, Joseph is in a, an unfair situation. He's in a situation that he does not deserve to be in. God has allowed this thing in his life, disrupted his whole entire life. And God is preparing him for something. And then it says in verse 4, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. Even in the midst of a terrible situation, Joseph chooses to focus, number one, on the fact that God was in charge. Number two, he was not bitter against God. Not that we see. We don't see him posting on Facebook, passive-aggressive rants. 
Hashtag unspoken request. <laughs> Joseph turned to the Lord. When an opportunity presented itself, he turned to the Lord. I think it's very interesting who Joseph was serving while waiting on God to come through for him. Preparation always precedes a blessing. Obedience always precedes a blessing. When we take a closer look at how Joseph was preparing, the Bible says he served the cupbearer and the baker. What did the cupbearer hold? Wine. What does wine represent in the Bible? The blood, the blood. The other person he served was the baker. What did the baker do? He baked bread. What does bread represent in the Bible? The body of Christ. So there's a picture here. Even in the midst of the situation, God is showing us a picture of the bread and the wine. Of the finished work of Jesus Christ as the focus of our attention as we prepare for what he's about to do. The cupbearer and the baker. This is beautiful. This is our God, the body and the blood. In this moment, that is what Joseph is focusing on. This is our God. This is so amazing. As if that were not enough. Look in Genesis 40 verse 20. It says, now it came to pass on the third day. On the third day which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and of the chief baker. He restored the chief butler and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand again, but he hung the chief baker. This is amazing. First of all, what happens on the third day? On the third day, it's so significant that on the third day, Pharaoh did two things. He restored the cupbearer. He hung the baker. The baker, the bread, the body was hung. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's showing us himself in here. That is the posture. Church, when things are being upended, when you don't know the end from the beginning, up from down, our posture is to look at the finished work of Jesus. That's what Joseph is showing us. The cupbearer, the baker, the bread, the wine. The baker was hung. Who else's body was hung? It was Jesus. Hung on Calvary. As if that were not enough. It is the cupbearer, the one who held the wine. When all was said and done, in Exodus 41, verse 12, the cupbearer, the wine, is the one that went back to Pharaoh and said, hey, there's this guy, Joseph, in prison. He's pretty awesome. I think you need to let him go. The wine, the blood is what set Joseph free because it is the blood that sets, oh, come on, come on. Are you kidding me? It's the blood that sets us free. It's the blood that sets us free. I don't know what you've been focusing on. Joseph is showing us a picture here of the body and the blood. The body was hung. The blood set him free. It's the same in our lives, church. Switch the posture of your heart. I don't know what you've been focusing on. I don't know what has been taking your attention. God is calling us back to himself. He's calling us back to himself. He's saying, listen, I need us to get back to the basics. The finished work of Jesus on Calvary. The body and the blood. I think some of us have forgotten the power of the blood of Jesus. 
Some of us need to claim the blood afresh for our marriage, for our churches, for our lives. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. The blood of Jesus sets us free. We're redeemed by the blood. We're justified by the blood. The blood washes us white as snow. All oh, the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, precious. Precious is the flow. The blood, the blood, the blood. I don't know what it is in your life that you need to prepare for, how you need to prepare, but I'm telling you, the word of the Lord is clear. Prepare. Prepare. I'm giving you a greater measure. God wants to pour something out on us corporately. He wants to do something new. And he's pouring it out. And he's showing us, though, you have to, when you read the Bible, you have to ask the word of God to show you the word of God. This entire word speaks to him. In 2 Kings verse 3, there's a story there when Israel was preparing for war against Moab. They ran into a problem because there was no water. And they sought out the prophet Elisha. And Elisha says, you know what? Bring me a musician because praise is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. And he says, bring me a musician. And in 2 Kings 3 verse 15, it says, as the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And Elisha said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. They were preparing for a blessing because preparation precedes the blessing. And God said, that, I need you to build some ditches, create some space. I'm about to pour something out. They had no water. God said, make some ditches. They built the ditches before the water came because obedience precedes the blessing. No matter what it looks like right now, can you just take God at his word? That this word is not a promise, it's a covenant. They dug the ditches before the water came and the Bible says, this is stunning. In verse 20 of 2 Kings 3, suddenly water came and the land was filled with water. But when the Moabites looked at the water gleaming on the sun, the Bible says the Moabites looked at it and they thought it was blood. So they said, oh, they must have killed themselves. The Moabites went in, the Israelites ambushed them and they got the victory. The blood purchased the victory for the Israelites. The blood and the water. Remember, we just talked about the body and the blood. This picture is telling us as the Israelites were preparing, they did something. Pastor Sobel talked about this. Action. They built the ditches in anticipation of what God was going to pour out. And it was filled with water. Yet the Moabites saw blood. Water and blood. You know what that reminds me of? When Jesus' side was struck. The Bible says what came out? Blood and water. Why those two liquids of all the liquids in the world? Why was when his spear was in his side, out came blood and water? Because those are the two liquids of birth. When a woman gives birth, out comes water and blood. What was birth on Calvary was the church. Oh, this is our God. He's so good. He loves us so much. The blood and the water, the blood of Jesus. It covers you. It cleanses you. Can we just believe in the power of the blood to prepare us, to cleanse us, to give us the power to be holy, even as he's holy? Joseph served the bread and the wine. What a beautiful picture of Calvary. It's the finished work of Jesus. Listen, I don't know where you are, but can I just tell you, I'm in a place in my walk with the Lord where I'm not playing around anymore. 
We can't do things the way we've always done them. What got us here is not gonna get us to where God is taking us. I wanna read to you 1 Peter one more time. So then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert. Fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be revealed to you. As God's obedient children, never again, never again, shape your lives by the desire that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One. Can I be honest? That's my prayer for you, Celebration Church. Let's shape our lives to become like the Holy One. Let's be holy, like He's holy. This is our God. He's worthy. His grace is remarkable. His mercies are innumerable. His strength is impenetrable. He's undefinable yet approachable. He's indescribable yet personal. He's beyond compre comprehension, further than our imagination, constant through every generation, the king of every nation. He is our God and he's worthy. He's worthy. Come on, let's give it up for him. He's worthy. This is our God. This is our God. I, I just really feel that this is a time for us not to pray for revival, but to repent. It's not just about reviving, it's about repentance, changing our mind, changing the direction of our hearts. God wants to pour out a greater measure. He does. His desires for Him to pour out a greater unveiling of Himself. And he's asking you, will you look to me, the finished work on the cross? Just close your eyes right where you are. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. Oh, the precious blood of Jesus that washes us white as snow. If you're in here and you know Maybe you're a young person in here and you know, I need to repent. There's some, there's some things in my life I need to release. I need to let go of. I need to say yes to God, not focus on saying no to sin. If that's you, just come up to the altar right now. Let no flesh glory in your presence, God. He's looking for us to humble ourselves like we talked about today. And maybe you're in here and you're saying, you know what? Mercy, I do need to prepare. God is stirring my heart for preparation that he wants to pour something out and I need to prepare. And you feel challenged by that. Just get up to the altar. I want us to pray. We're gonna pray because the truth of the matter is when the Holy Spirit is here, anything can happen. And so Father, right now, as we come up to this altar, Lord, we are asking. Create in us a new heart, Lord. A fresh heart. A heart that is sensitive to the things of God. Some of you, you don't really believe the Bible to be the truth of God's word. Like when you read the Bible, you know what the Bible says, but if you're honest with yourself, you don't think it's actually true. So it's hard for you to obey it. Can I encourage you to come up to this altar? I wanna pray for you because the truth of the matter is, truth is not a river that flows. Truth is a rock and his name is Jesus. He never changes. And for some of you young people, that's been an issue in your life. 
You can't trust God. If you're up here, just start to pray. Father, we thank you. This is not a time for hoopla, honestly. It's a time to just tune into the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the ones up here, God, who need to repent. Father, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for walking in our flesh. Forgive us for our carnal ways, God. Forgive us from going in a different direction than what you have for us. For those up here who don't believe your word to be the truth, Father, right now I ask that, Father, you would reveal yourself to them as only you can. That, God, they would understand that the full canon is blessed by you. That the word of God is, is completely a covenant cut with the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. I pray for every young person in here, God, who is struggling with holiness. Right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray that they would get a revelation of what it is to be holy, just like you. That they would understand who you are, because when we know who you are, we know who we are. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for preparation, Lord. We thank you for challenging us, Lord. We thank you for your love for us, God. We thank you for the blood that covers us. Oh, we thank you for your blood. there's someone in here there are people in here who've been struggling with believing God for something it's actually stopping you from worshiping the way that you need to and you know what that thing is and God knows what that thing is and he's asking you to surrender it to him right now if that's you get to the altar just make a step it's a step of faith you're just saying God I'm going from where I am to where you are that thing is stopping you from worshiping it's stopping you from praying for some of you, it's fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not an emotion, it's a spirit. And we have to cast it out. You gotta cast it out. And God, right now, we ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we cast out that spirit of fear and anxiety in Jesus' name. That, Father, we can trust you enough to rest. We can trust you enough to sleep. Sleep is an act of trust. Some of you have lost your sleep because you don't trust God any longer. And he's saying, I am trustworthy. I'm not a man that I should lie. So we cast out that spirit of fear in Jesus' name. Right now, God, everywhere that there's fear, let faith rise up in Jesus' name. Everywhere that there's scarcity, abundance is flowing in Jesus' name. Everywhere that, Lord, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Father, you've come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you for your blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. Father, we call upon your name, even right now, Lord. Even right now, Jesus. Prepare us, O oh Lord. Prepare us, God, for a greater unveiling of who you are, for a greater measure of who you are. Thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus covers us. 
the blood of Jesus cleanses us. The blood of Jesus justifies us. The blood of Jesus makes us right before God for the blood that was shed. There was remission of sin. Father, in Jesus' name, we just claim the blood over our lives. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, help us see you as you truly are. As you truly are. Let no flesh glory in your presence, God. Father, burn away the chaff. Burn away the chaff in our lives, God, the things that are not of you. Help us to be a living sacrifice, holy, holy and pleasing. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, right now, I want to pray for one more group of people. You're really suffering physically in your body right now, and it's become a distraction to you. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, the blood of Jesus heals us. I want to pray and believe with you for healing. And the reason I want to do this is because part of what God is doing is restoring us. He doesn't just want you to be healed. He wants you to be whole. There's a wholeness. If that is you come up to this altar, I want to believe God with you for wholeness. Maybe it's in your mind. Maybe it's in your body. The Bible says that when he took his stripes on his back, it was for our healing. Part of that is wholeness. Nothing fragmented, nothing broken, nothing missing wholeness and restoration. He wants that for you. He wants it for you more than you want it for yourself. If you're coming up here, come up here with faith. Come up here with faith. Believe that our God can do what he said he'd do, that he's not a man that he should lie. If you're coming up here, come up here with faith and confidence in who God is. Father, we thank you for your word, that we can stand upon it that Jehovah Rapha is your name. You are a healer. Healing is not what you do. Healer is who you are. You can't deny yourself. Even when we're faithless, you remain faithful because it's who you are, because it's your, it's your nature. You can't be any less God because of my lack of faith. Even faith is a mustard seed. God, we bring our mustard seed to you. Touch the part of your body that is broken, the part of your body that is sick, the part of your body that's ailing. Father, right now, we ask for healing virtue to flow in Jesus' name. That God, even if the woman with the issue of blood came up to you and just touched the hem of your garment, just one touch, Father, healed her. Right now, Father, heal us in Jesus' name and we'll be healed. Wholeness, I pray that over you. Wholeness in Jesus' name. Restoration in Jesus' name. Bible, you said, God, you said in your word, you restore the things the locusts have eaten. Our peace, our sleep, our trust. Restore it, God. Wholeness in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, these things will never be a distraction any longer. Our anxiety will not be a distraction any longer. Depression will not be an anxiety, a distraction any longer. Sickness will not be a distraction any longer. We're gonna fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and, fin and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, who for the joy set before Him 
set his face like flint and endure Calvary, that will be the focus of our church. That will be the focus of our lives. Nothing else will come into play. Nothing else, God. Right now, Father, we make you big. We magnify you as king. Lord, you're not a king among many. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the soon and coming king, the lion of Judah, the rose of Sharon, the balm of Gilead, the one who was, is, and yet to come. This is our God. This is our God. Come on, let's worship him. He's worthy. He is worthy. You are God all by yourself. Come on, let's worship him with everything we've got, church. Come on, let's give it up. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.